This is most certainly true. The Word became flesh. Our Savior God was born a humble baby to set a world of sinners free. He became a person so that He could save people like us. And because He lived and died in our place, now we have a promise of life forever in heaven. Join our celebration of the birth of Jesus with this sermon recently delivered at Grace. Jesus took on human flesh to live in our place to win for us forgiveness and life. These words will also serve as the basis for today's sermon. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, Here am I and the children God has given me. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. The word of the Lord. How many relationships have you had in your life? Oh, don't worry, I'm not trying to pry into your past dating scene. I mean all of them. When we began life, we of course had a relationship with our parents, quite dependent at first, but as we grew and matured, more and more independent of them. If you had siblings, you had a relationship with each of them. As you grew older and went to school, you had a relationship with schoolmates, classmates, teammates. If you had a typical college experience, it's likely you had roommates and learned the pluses and minuses of a relationship with them. Then there are work relationships some strictly professional, others rather casual. Getting along with people at work certainly makes the job more enjoyable. Christians also develop relationships with people at their church. Building faith-based relationships with fellow members of a church broadens a person's spiritual support system. 
I've seen people who came from abusive family systems and still grew, matured, and prospered. There are people who had no close friends through school and yet did well for themselves. There are people who can't stand their boss and yet they, they still made a go of it at work. There are even a few Christian people who enjoy their church membership without developing any real close personal relationships with fellow members. But no one is going to go to heaven without a close personal relationship with God. That's what makes the portion of scripture we're going to dive in today so spectacular and deuces are wild. This is the second Sunday after Christmas. We're looking at the second reading from Hebrews chapter 2. Christ was born and became our real, better, and extraordinary brother. And you can guess why that's important. It was all about the introduction to this sermon so that we can have a close relationship with God. If you're at a department store and want to get to the second floor, you have to find the escalator. If you want to go up into the balcony and talk to one of our musicians on how the different pipes of the pipe organ offer different sounds, you're going to have to find the steps. If you're going to join us for in-person Bible class next Sunday, which we certainly hope you do, we're safe, masked, sanitized, socially distant. You're going to have to find the door to the Grace Center. That's how we gain access to a place. But how do we gain access to a person? Most people build relationships with other people simply using common sense. There are also, of course, plenty of books and seminars that offer suggestions on how to build relationships with other people. Asking a lot of questions, active listening, being alert to body language, taking time to spend with one another, being open and honest with one another. But if the most important thing in our life is to have a close personal relationship with God, how is that going to happen? It's not as though we can send him a couple of pictures on Instagram or Instagram or on some other social media. It's not as though we can link up with him through LinkedIn or Facebook. It's not as though you can go in the little room back here called the sacristy and find an escalator to heaven. And think of this, what if these facade doors behind the processional cross and candles were actual doors that you could open, and if you open them up, there would be standing the holy God. How would you feel about that? I know I'd be a little nervous, because he's holy, and I'm not. And neither are you. Scripture presents a number of ways in which God made his presence known to people. Most of those are glimpses of his bigness, his majesty, his power, his holiness, reminding us about how unapproachable God really is. Noah warned the people of his day that there really is a God who is watching their sinful behavior. They poo-pooed him and doubled over with laughter when they saw Noah hauling huge 
timbers in order to build a 450-foot barge. But they weren't laughing when water burst from the heavens and exploded from the earth beneath and they all drowned. 1,517 people drowned when the Titanic went down. A terrible disaster. But imagine the millions, the billions perhaps, who were drowned in that global flood. How are we ever going to have a personal relationship with a God who can do that? Over the centuries, some people have built huge monuments and temples in order to attempt to connect and have a relationship with God. Some have tried sacrifices and offerings and meditation and chants to have a close relationship with God, but none of that works. There's only one way that human beings can have a relationship with God, and that's if God comes to us. And he did. The Son of God came to be our brother. Not a fake brother, not a pretend brother, not a ghost. Our real brother. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. I can't underscore enough and emphasize enough how important it is to have a close personal relationship with God. It's more important than food, more important than clothes, more important than money. It's more important than having a relationship with your spouse or your parents or your children or your friends or your coworkers because without it, without a close relationship with God, we're going to end up in hell. The miracle of Christmas that a virgin would get pregnant, become pregnant, give birth to a child is certainly a great miracle. But the greater miracle is that Christ came to be our brother, our real brother, so that we could have a relationship with God. How did that all happen? Well, think about this. What if our relationships depended on having a perfect brother? In other words, let's say that you're planning to get married, but at the last moment your fiancé calls it off because she says, I'm not going to marry you because your brother is rude. Or what if you were in a job interview and the people interviewing you said, well, you are highly qualified, perfectly fit for this job, but we're not going to hire you because we found out that your brother is lazy. What if you had to have a brother who was active in membership in a Christian church before you would be allowed to join that church? If our relationships with people depended on having a perfect brother, we'd be in a lot of trouble because there's no human brother who is perfect and some people don't even have a brother. But getting in with God means that we do need A brother. No human or earthly brother will do. We need to have a perfect brother. A better brother. That's because God has standards set so high and expects us to meet them in order to have a relationship with him. He drove that point home for the ancient Israelites. He said... There is an inner room in the temple where I'm going to demonstrate my holy presence. But you can't go in there. 
No sinner can go in there because I'm too holy and if you show up and get near me and get in that room, you're going to get blasted. Only the high priest can go in that inner room to be near me. And only once a year. And only with the sacrifice of a blood because blood covers over sin and he's not perfect either. COVID-19 has changed the way we think about the word testing. For one thing, it's a word that's now on our minds and on our lips very often. Should I get tested? Have you been tested? Where do I get tested? Do I need an appointment to get tested? The ancient Israelites tested positive for sin every day. And God did not need to stick a swab up their nose halfway to their brain to find out the results. Because they could not match up and live up to his holy standards. And neither can we. And it's not as though we can say to God, well, okay, how about if my father or my mother or my sister or my brother would get tested for me? Well, that wouldn't work. Because for one thing, it would be cheating. And for another, their test results would be the same as ours. Positive for sin. But check this out. For this reason, he had to be made, like his brothers and sisters, fully human in every way except without sin, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. Jesus was tested daily, but his test results were consistent, negative for sin. No sin ever. And this is the best Christmas gift of all. God counts his test results as ours. And that's not cheating because God's the one who set it up and says it's okay. And there's an added bonus. Our brother is a better brother because he understands us. He knows there's going to be plenty of days when we feel like we really ought to get kicked out of the family of God because we keep testing positive for sin. So what does he do? He continually gives us his test results. The Bible writer said, because he himself suffered when he was tested, he is able to help those who are being tested. The Christ child is our brother, our better brother, because he's perfect and gives us his perfect test results and adds the bonus of his blood as a vaccine against sin. Raise your hand if you'd like to have a relationship with the devil. Good. Nobody did. But raise your hand if you have had ties with the devil. Really, all of us should be putting our hands up because we were born that way, stuck in Satan's clutches. And he just loves to tie us up with sin, haul us into God's courtroom, and make all kinds of accusations. Take a look, God. They have broken your commands. Condemn them. Who's going to release us? Who's going to bail us out? Especially when we remember that God has set the bail price so high. He says, Pastor Hebner, if you want to pay the bail price to get out from the burden of sin, you're going to have to pay for it with your own blood forever in hell. I don't want to do that. I don't think you want to do that either. But our brother did. Listen to this. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, 
it was fitting that God should make the pioneer of salvation reach the goal through what he suffered, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that's the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers and sisters that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. After all, it wasn't angels he came to free from the pressure and the payment of sin. Angels are God's messengers. They had a very important role in the Christmas account, but they didn't need rescue. We do. It's because God demands that somebody has to die to pay for sin. And this is the Christmas message that continues on beyond Christmas. The real heart of the Christmas message is that the story doesn't end in a feed box in Bethlehem, but continues to a hill six miles north of Bethlehem 33 years later. Christ came to be our brother, our extraordinary brother, who by his death paid for all of our sins so that our death is not a payment for sin, but our death will be a step into heaven. It is statistically provable that children who grow up in a healthy, intact family will do better in school than those who don't. Not that they were born with a higher IQ, but their emotional and psychological development will be healthier. Just ask any teacher, and he or she will tell you that it's essential for children's emotional and psychological development to have a healthy, intact family unit from which they come. It is statistically provable that married people who share a relationship with each other based on faith in Jesus Christ will be able to handle the bumps in the road of marriage, and they come to every married couple better than those who don't have a relationship with Jesus. It is statistically provable that a new member in a Christian church will remain more active in that church if they have relationships with fellow members of faith. But what happens if those relationships go away. Some years ago, a young woman who had been a Jehovah's Witness studied the Bible with us and joined our church. As expected, her family disowned her. I asked her how she'd be able to cope without any family support. She says, I have a family. My fellow members at Grace And it's all because I have a real, better, and extraordinary brother, Jesus. What happens if the relationships you enjoy in your life would end or go away? How would you cope? I pray that you would say what that young woman said. I have a real, better, and extraordinary brother, He is Christ the Lord. He is Christ my Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace, to support the work that we do to proclaim the love of Jesus in Milwaukee and around the world, and to find our schedule of special worship services, please visit 
www.gracedowntown.org today. And we'd love to have you join us for worship sometime soon. This grace is for you. bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.